Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, last week we talked about um, when we pray, how often we finish it with, we say, and Ryan, you said, in the Lord's name, in Jesus' name, right? And we talked last week about, uh, for one, one aspect of that is to say that we understand that the only reason we can come and pray to a holy God is because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? Because we're sinners. But I want to say something else this morning to you. And the other reason is that we say in Jesus' name is because Jesus said this. He said, if you pray anything in my name, I will do it so that the Father will be glorified through the Son. So the idea when we pray, we should be praying that it is God's will that we're praying for and that God would be glorified in our prayers and the answer to those prayers. And, and sometimes we don't always know God's will, right? But the idea is when we, when we pray, when we pray for those things that, that are on our heart, that we should pray that it would be God's will for that prayer to be answered, and it would bring glory to his name, right? Ultimately, it would bring glory to his name. So we need to remember that when we pray. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Let's, I'm good. You're good? I'm my favorite Pokemon, God's from Cyndaquil, right? He has a cane on it, right? Yeah. With a queen. Okay. Thank you, Dylan. Are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Let's, let's pray. All Okay. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for these little souls, these little hearts, Lord. And I just pray that you just continue to help them to grow, to know you, to love you, to serve you. I pray, Lord, for all of us, when we, when we lift up prayers to you, uh, Lord, that even though these things are in our heart, we always pray, Lord, that it would be your will that these prayers would be answered and that you would get glory in all the prayers that we lift up to you. We just thank you for the awesome opportunity and privilege to speak to you through your son, and we thank you for that, Lord, and we just pray for you, to, we pray, Lord, this morning that you would um, be worshiped and glorified here this morning in all your children's hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. We'll find out. Titus assured me that nobody prays for that team in San Francisco. At least we don't. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 32 today. There are two words in the English language, specifically, that I'm thinking about today. I'm sure there's more than two that cause us problems. And the two that I'm thinking about are owed and deserved, both generally implying the same thing, God or something or someone else owes us something. We feel due to 
maybe something in us or something that we've done or just for the fact that we exist, maybe something we've said, God or some other person owes us something. We deserve something from them or from him. This is a problem that we see with a works-based salvation, that if we feel we've done what is necessary to deserve, we've, we've gone down the checklist and done our part to deserve salvation from God, that God then owes it to us. It's a problem with the prosperity gospel. We feel because of something we've prayed, we've claimed, we've named, we've believed that we are owed that which we claim or prayed for or had faith we would get. We treat God like a genie and we rub the lamp and so he owes us our three wishes. This can be a problem with our own relationship with God even if we don't believe in a legalistic version of salvation or the prosperity gospel, we feel we deserve a certain gift from God. Maybe it's a relationship or a job or good health or happiness or even liberty and freedom. And if we don't get what we feel like we deserve, there starts to be problems. And that problem, if we ask the right questions, who is to blame then, it usually leads us to God. God is, not, is the one who didn't provide us what we deserve. Happens in our relationships, this problem, our marriages or with our children. We feel we are owed or deserve a certain level of treatment from them. And when we do not get what we feel we deserve, then it causes problems. James says in James chapter 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We feel we are owed. We think we deserve. And when we don't get what we feel we are owed or deserve, we can lose our joy. We can lose our peace. We can lose our contentment. We can lose our awe in God. But what if God had a different way for us? A way that we could still stand up for what is right, but a way that also is lived in biblical reality of what we are owed and what we deserve and what we have been given. A reminder for us, if you will, for when we are wronged or when we are struggling or when we are hurting, where our hope lies. Paul's going to give us this in Romans 8. 32. It's a reminder for where our greatest treasure truly lies. A reminder of what we deserve and what we're owed. And a reminder that God, despite what we really deserve, 
and what we really are owed because of Jesus Christ, God is for us. It's a reminder of a need then of contentment, a reminder that everything works for our good, for those who love God and have been called according to his purpose, and that our whole life now that we live on the this side of the cross is actually a bonus, a gift. So we want to take advantage of that bonus life in Jesus Christ. So let's look at Romans 8. I'm going to start with verse 28, and I'm going to read through today's verse in verse 32. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So, says he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So first we're going to look at the giver. Who is he that is God? God the Father, the one who is for us, so that no one could be against us. And this verse is further evidence that God is for you, and no one could be against you. It is the ground for the verse that we covered last week, verse 31. He did not spare his own son. And this language harkens us back to the story of Abraham and Isaac, and you can turn there in your Bibles with me if you wish. I'm going to read Genesis 22, verses 9 to 18. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. 
I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I know I said verse 22, but verse 18 is where we're stopping. God spares Abraham's son, Isaac, and then promises to bless the world in and through Abraham's offspring. How does God do that? By not sparing his own son, but giving him up for us all. You see, when we sin against God, we earn what we are truly owed. We earn what we truly deserve. And that is God's wrath. And that is God's punishment. But God gave up his own son, his only son, to take that punishment on the cross to be a propitiation, an appeasement of his wrath for all who would put their hope and their trusts in him. So if you do not know him, Jesus, in this way, as your savior, as the one who took the wrath of God for your sins, this is where you need to start. We all deserve wrath. We all deserve punishment. We are owed these things. We must realize it. We must know it. When we go about life and we think and we ponder and we consider what we deserve and what we are owed in life, this should be at the top of the list to give us a perspective on the rest of life. Paul says in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will that he will also that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Here's where God, God's grace and God's mercy shines so bright through Jesus Christ. He doesn't give us what we deserve and what we are owed. While we're still enemies, he saves us and brings us to know him. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It wasn't a matter of us cleaning ourselves up so that we could be right with God. It was a matter of God finding us when we're owed, when we're deserved, his wrath, his punishment. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was no accident that God gave up his son, his only son, his own son. It wasn't a backup plan as if he had a plan, the world went corrupt, and now he had to figure something out. God intended this from the beginning. We see the context of Romans 8 tells us these things. 
We sinned and earned his wrath, and we cannot make up for that. And Jesus came to take the punishment for our sins, what we are owed, what we deserve. He did not spare Jesus, but gave his own son up for us all. And that's just the start of Christianity. That's just the beginning. That's just the getting in the door of the blessings. That's not even the best part. The best part is the gift. Romans 8.32, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? True Christianity, true understanding of the gospel, true faith that saves treasures Jesus Christ. He's not just a fact to know. He's not just the genie to grant your wish. He's not just the ticket to get you into heaven. At its purest form, the Christian faith is the gift of a personal, real, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. All the best parts of the all the best parts of the gospel is that we are saved to be with Jesus. We are set free from bondage to sin from bondage to sin to freedom and to be with Christ Jesus. We are brought out of darkness and death to light and life of Jesus Christ. He is the treasure. He is the reward. He is the gift. Heaven is not heaven if he isn't there to be with and rejoice and to celebrate. This is what we hope for. This is what we need to remind ourselves of. It would be, heaven without Jesus would be like getting excited to go to your favorite restaurant and showing up and you're there at the restaurant, but there's no food there. That's, what's the point? It would be like getting excited for the Super Bowl and the Chiefs aren't in it. You guys know what I'm talking about. A personal, deep relationship with Jesus means when all other things fall apart, relationships fail or fade or hurt, you are good because you have Jesus. He is your solid rock. He's not your fallback. He is your foundation. When Jesus is your treasure, your true treasure, it means that no matter how great of or little of earthly possessions you have, those aren't a mark of who is blessed by Jesus and who isn't blessed by Jesus. Many times it's the opposite. No matter how many or how little of these earthly possessions or money you have, you're good. Rich or poor, sickness and in health. All is good because he is your pure joy, and no one can ever take that away. Money can go away. We can lose our houses. We can lose our jobs. We know all too well that we can even lose the ones we love here on earth until we hopefully meet them in heaven. But Jesus doesn't go away. Jesus does not go away. He is our pure joy. Hebrews 1.3 says, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Psalm 16.11 told us, 
speaking to God. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He is the fullness of joy. He is the pleasures forevermore. He is the kingdom of heaven. He is the pearl of great price. He said to us in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. He's worth it. And not only is he worth it, he's worth giving up everything else for it. Everything else. You need to get this. You need to get it. You need to have this, to know it, to seek it, to treasure it, to hope in it. Because if you don't, Christian life will be confusing. You're going to wonder why God doesn't answer your prayers the way you pray them. You're going to wonder why bad things happen if you're a child of God. You're going to wonder why it seems like he's holding out on you when every other person seems to be prospering. If you don't get that Jesus is the treasure and you're given that great treasure, then this verse, this promise in Romans 8.32 isn't going to make any sense at all. If he's not your hope, then this verse doesn't make sense. Because Paul's arguing from greater to lesser, and he's saying, if God's going to give you something as the greatest gift in the world in Jesus Christ, can't you trust that he's going to give you something else? And if you don't think that this is the greatest gift in the world, then it's not going to matter. You're not going to trust that he's going to give you the stuff you need and the lesser things. You're going to desire those. You're going to seek those, and your prayers are going to be filled up with those. Because you don't have the greatest gift. But when you get it, when you live it by God's grace, you'll see that the whole world serves to glorify him then and benefit you. And that is the bonus life. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. And what are the all things? You can't read the context of Romans 8 and not see verse 28 where he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things are all things. They are what God designed in your life to conform you to the image of his son in verse 29. They're what he predestined and what he called, what he justified for you. They are blessings. They are grace. They are mercy. They are love. They are kindness. They are compassion. They are the blessings of the church. There are relationships and marriage and children and grandchildren and jobs and good health and homes and food and joys and pleasures and all those wonderful things that we love and we like and we pray for, 
but they are also the difficult things we face in life. And these seem to make the biggest leaps in our sanctification and our conforming to Jesus. They are the trials. They are the pains. They are the difficulties. They are the hardships. They are the persecution and the suffering. These things are included. And they're given to you to conform you, to make you more like Jesus. And those aren't the gifts that we usually ask for. Hey, God, can you bring on some more trials and hardships? I'm feeling pretty good right now in life. But he knows you're not going to get from here to hear like Jesus without him. So in his great love, he cares more that you're like Jesus than he does that you have some fading, fleeting, dying thing in this world. And those things where the world counts them as sorrowful and avoids, God gives them to us as a blessing. So we can say, I've already got Jesus, the great gift. Now when I get anything else, it's a bonus. When I, God shows his grace, he shows his mercy. When I receive those things, that's a bonus on top of Jesus because I'm already living a life I don't deserve. I've already got that gift. But also, when I get to suffer for Christ's name, when God declares me, because I'm united to Christ, worthy to go through this trial, to grow me like Jesus, that's a bonus too. So literally, Paul's saying, everything you experience and you go through in life, because you've already got the greatest gift, is a blessing to you. They all work for your good. They all serve to open your eyes to the glory of God. It's do you want to see it? Do you want to focus on that? Or you just want to enjoy the blessing? Or you just want the trial to go away? God doesn't spare any expense to make you like Jesus, including the death of his own son. For your sake, if he's going to go that far, don't you think he's going to give you every single thing you need? Not only that. If he's going to give his own son for us all, right? Remember, Paul's writing this letter to Christians. These are Christians who are reading this, people who have believed, who have been converted. So when he's saying us all, he's talking about Christians, He's going, if he's going to give you his own son, then surely he will give you all things for your good. For your bad. If he's going to give you the best, surely he's going to give you the little. Someone's going to come to your house and give you your dream car. And it's fully loaded. And it's got everything. Don't you think they're going to give you the keys to drive it? Or they're going to be like, no, I'm giving you this. That's enough for you. Figure it out. That's not the way God is. Every single thing, 
all things are for you. They work for your good. They are from God. They are gifts. He doesn't do it begrudgingly, but it says from grace, he graciously gives all things. That means you don't have to deserve. Like, you know you didn't deserve your salvation. You know you did nothing to earn it. We, we get that. But sometimes we can live our lives as if, okay, now I've got to do some things to earn these blessings or earn his answer to my prayers. But that's not true either because he says right here, it's from grace. He graciously gives all things as a bonus on top of the gift of Jesus Christ. It is his good pleasure. So live that way. Live in victory as one who all things are given to and are working together for good for. So I'll briefly, I'll cover some application now that we know and we believe that loving and living these things. First, do you believe, live, think like God or this world or other people owe you? You deserve something from them. Speak the truth about to yourself about what you deserve and what God has given you. Second, is Jesus Christ your greatest treasure or are you just want Jesus to get you to whatever your greatest treasure is? Does your relationship with him make this promise so sweet? Make you trust God so much more because you know he's already given me this. How is he not also with him going to give me everything I need? Or how is all these things not going to work for my good if he's going to give me Jesus? And third, do you see the grace and the goodness in the all things of life? Hey, I'm the same way. I can get wrapped up in what I don't have or what's not happening to me that is happening to others or what other people get that I don't get. And I can start feeling pretty sorry for myself. I think God would remind us of that great treasure we have in Jesus Christ and what I deserve. And that when I'm being denied something in this life, money, possession, health, a relationship, a job, a house, whatever, I can trust that that's for my good. I'm going to trust him. And this. It's a marvelous promise that has Jesus as our treasure, as its foundation, as its legs that are holding up this promise that this whole life, now that God has saved me, that I am His, is working together for my good. It's how we trust in God. If He's going to do that for me, if He's going to give up His own Son, For me, isn't he going to do everything else that I need? The answer is he is doing that, and he will continue 
to do that. Not because I deserve it or you deserve it, but because he is gracious and you are precious in his eyes and he loves you. He has given you the greatest gift, himself, and everything on top of that is a bonus. Let's pray. Lord, the gift of salvation that puts us in right standing with you, our gracious and loving and patient God, is more than we can comprehend. We could talk about how great it is all day and all week and not get us even to the point that it is for this relationship with you to be able to talk to you, to be able to hear from you, to be able to love you and feel your love for us. It's it's to be united to Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that we put our lives, you help us put our lives in perspective. If we don't know Jesus as our greatest treasure, that today be the day that that starts. But if we do, that you would remind us We can fill up our hearts with other worthless treasures that removes our desire for him. I pray you pull those things out of there and fill our hearts up with a love for our treasure, Jesus Christ. And then help us to remember that everything else is working for our good in this bonus life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.